Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program brought to you by RNZ Sport. I'm Richard Wayne. On the show this week, Brendan McCullum reflects on his career as he becomes the first cricketer in history to play 100 consecutive test matches since debuting in 2004. Lydia Coe is back in New Zealand to defend her National Open title. Shot putter Jack O'Gill all but seals his place at the Rio Olympics with a New Zealand resident's record throw. There are more woes for New Zealand football... A young Wellingtonian prepares to make his Davis Cup debut and we chat to the race director of the Coast to Coast about the longevity of the sport. First up, Wellington's got its chance to farewell retiring Black Caps captain Brendan McCullum at the Basin Reserve in the first test against Australia. Having beaten Australia in the Chapel Hadley One Day Series in sensational style, the New Zealanders are now chasing their first test win over Australia in New Zealand since 1993. McCullum's become the first player in the history of the sport to play 100 consecutive tests from debut, having not missed a match since his first test against South Africa way back in 2004. RNZ Sports Editor Stephen Hewson reports. McCullum cuts, it's gone through backward point. Brendan McCullum, 302. Two years ago, Black Caps captain Brendan McCullum became the first New Zealander to score a test triple century. And today at the Basin Reserve, he'll achieve another milestone when he becomes the first of nearly 3,000 Test players to play 100 consecutive Test matches from debut. With the curtain coming down on an international career that began in 2002, McCullum admits he's been reflecting on a few highlights. From a team uh, side of things, I thought the West Indies series away from home was, was a real defining moment for us as a team. It's not an easy place to tour and to be able to get results over there was was outstanding. I didn't even get any runs and I still look back on it fondly and from an individual point of view. Um, he's 300 out here, um, probably because what it meant to the people that followed or that follow this team and, and who have represented this team in the past. But Brendan McCullum says it was never about milestones. The game's always been about in the change room afterwards. To be able to sit around and, and see that a group of guys have, have achieved something over five days and to sit around with smiles on their faces, bit of music going and you've got dirty whites and sweaty black caps and, and a beer in hand and be able to look back on, on hard work. That's what I've got into the game for and that's, um, that's going to be the last memory of the game as well. New Zealand hasn't won a test against Australia in New Zealand since 1993 and the Australia captain Steve Smith says while McCullum's century of tests is a remarkable achievement, they don't want to send him off into retirement with a series win. Hopefully we can make it a, a pretty average one for him, to be fair. Um, we want to we wanna win, uh, obviously. Um, but yeah, he's been a terrific player for a very long time. 99 tests have certainly taken their toll on McCullum's body, with back problems plaguing him throughout much of his career. But he looks in much better shape than his battered black cap, which he's worn since his test debut against Australia in 2004. 
That stinks as well at the moment. <laughs> Got it out of the bag before. It's rancid. It's one of those things with test cricket. It's a bit of a quirk that you use the same cap right throughout your career. And I've had the same thigh pad right ever since my first ever game for New Zealand as well. And, and they're little, I guess, superstitions, but also signs of character that you look back on, even just symbolise the hard work and the place that you've been and, and the... Um, the emotions which you've had to deal with as well, so hopefully it'll hold in there for two more games. The match will be played against the backdrop of a rather acrimonious finish to the Chapel Hadley series, following the dismissal of Mitchell Marsh, who was controversially given out, caught and bowled off his boot. But the Australian batsman David Warner maintains any ill-feeling has dissipated, and they're ready for any spectator flack that they may receive. It happens around the world. It happens in your own country. It's just part of the job. you just got to go out there and clear your mind and, and not listen to it. You know, that series is done and it's now about moving on to the test matches and that's what my focus is and I know that's what our team's focus is. So we've moved on from that. The right decision was made at the end of the day. Further reflecting on his career, Brendan McCullum says his more recent matches are what he's most proud of. The last 15, 20 tests have been just an incredible part of your life. I think the changes that we've been able to make and the evolution of the environment and the performances that we've started to put up. You, you look back with a sense of pride in what you've been able to achieve with a group of guys and you, to be able to play 100 straight tests as well, you're pretty proud about the longevity and, and being able to overcome not just injuries but also you know the, the toughness of touring and, and the, uh, the ups and downs of performance and still being able to, I guess, get back up off the canvas and still warrant a place in the team is, is something that you can look back on with a bit of pride as well. But... I'm looking forward to finishing these next two test matches. It's going to be a great series, two very evenly matched teams, I think. Brendan McCullum says the evolution of the game has been special for him. He says the team's very different to the one he debuted with against South Africa in Hamilton 12 years ago. Despite scoring a triple century in 2014 at the Basin against India, McCullum says he'll never go down as one of the greatest players, and he concedes he should have scored more runs. I think I've, I've tried to play a role for the team which has uh, made some contributions over the time and you know, I've been pretty strong with how I've gone about the style of cricket which I've tried to play throughout my career and, and that can have its knockers as well and, and at the same time you know, it's, um, it can change a game too so that's been one thing I've sort of looked back on fondly and say that I was able to maintain that even through times which were slightly adverse but it'd be nice to tick off a series win against Australia um, we weren't able to do it away from home um, but it'd be pretty special to do it at home as well Brendan McCullum says it's the team camaraderie that he'll miss the most. The game's always been about in the change room afterwards, after you've been able to earn a test win um, in tough circumstances and you've been able to overcome very good opposition and to be able to sit around and, and see that a group of guys have, have achieved something over five days and to sit around with smiles on their faces, a bit of music going and you've got dirty whites and sweaty black caps and, and a beer in hand and be able to look back on, on hard work. That's what I got into the game for and that's, um, that's going to be the last memory of the game as well. Black Caps captain Brennan McCullum reflecting on his career. Unfortunately for him, his 100th test didn't get off to a good start. The skipper departing for a duck at a full basin reserve. The first three days of the test have already been sold out. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only show from RNZ Sport. Still to come, Auckland shot putter Jack O'Gill, another administrative bungle in football, this time the Wellington Phoenix get hit, Davis Cup tennis and the coast-to-coast. Lydia Coe's back in New Zealand for the first time in a year to defend the New Zealand Open title she won last year and in 2013 and to accept more accolades. The 18-year-old world golf number one has been awarded the Lonsdale Cup, the annual trophy for the athlete or team who made the most outstanding contribution to Olympic or Commonwealth sport. 
Ko was typically modest about receiving the award. It's an honor, uh, especially because there are so many talented athletes and you know, just people who you know are surrounded by just the Olympics and the committee itself. So it's it's an honor, and I know it's something that I'm really proud of, especially because you know, Olympics is a huge goal of mine. So you know, it just all connects, and uh, uh, it gives me more confidence, uh, you know, about the Olympics and you know the proud feeling, you know, to represent New Zealand. Lydia Coe told reporters that being part of the Olympics team is her biggest goal for this year. Ever since they announced that golf will be in the Olympics, I said, hey, I want to get myself on that team. And uh, no, it's, it's, I think for any athlete to say that you're an Olympian, that's just to a whole new proud feeling. And to represent your country at such an international stage, it's, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a pretty special week. So, you know, even on the LPGA, there's so much excitement and vibe around it. Uh, so... I think we're all super excited. Is it a bigger achievement than winning an Open, winning an Olympic gold? Uh, for this year it is, for sure. I uh, you know, I, it's especially because it's the first time that the women will play you know, in the Olympics uh, in, in golf, so I think for me it's, it, it will be my top priority goal. But for now she's focused on the New Zealand Open, which is underway. Beforehand, Co said she was looking forward to playing in front of her home crowd, and she hoped the only thing that had changed was that she'd added a few more prizes. It's really cool to return uh, and be the number one ranked player again. You know, that was one of the highlights playing in front of the crowds, being the you know, the number one player at that time. So you know, it's, it's cool to do it again this year. Uh, so because I could feel they were as excited as me, pretty much. Uh, but. Yeah, you know, not much has changed. Obviously, I had my first major win that I've always dreamt of, uh, you know, doing, and uh, you know, I got to win the Evian. So, I guess a lot apart from all the results and everything, it's it's pretty similar. So, at least I hope I haven't changed much. <laughs> Lydia Ko on extra time. Auckland shot putter Jacko Gill won the Christchurch Big Shot event to qualify for this year's Rio Olympics this week by more than 30 centimetres. Gill threw a personal best of 20.83 metres, which is also the longest throw by a New Zealander in New Zealand. The 21-year-old beat the previous residence record by four centimetres, set by South Canterbury's Tom Walsh, who was a late scratching from the Christchurch event due to an injury. Walsh has already qualified for the Games. Gill told me it was great to tick the Rio qualifying box, and a local record was a bonus. Just the uh, residence record, you know, Tom's still got a much bigger throw, but, you know, it's good to get the qualifying, and I'm uh, really happy. Since, um, you know, I finished my journey years, it's been a goal to get to Rio, and, you know, to go to the Olympics is um, pretty special, so... You know, selection, uh, depending and stuff, you know, I'm really happy to be going. Well, what's the selection? Uh, I mean, you met the criteria. How does that work? Yeah. I mean, presumably you and um, and Tom Walsh are going to go, right? Yeah, I think so. I actually don't know the selection uh, criteria and what actually goes on, but uh, yeah, I think we should be uh, pretty soon to go. Um, you know, World Champs, we got both made the final last year, so to do that in Rio would be something really special. So just got to um, keep improving, and I'm um, sure we can. What kind of odds do you think we can get on, on a Jacko Gill tom Walsh uh, podium finish here in Rio? Oh, it would be a dream, but, uh, you know, some really good throwers, and uh, I'd actually love it. I'd love nothing more than that to get us both on the podium, and um, it would be a dream, but, uh, you know, some really good throwers, and, uh, you know, there's a lot more to a lot more training to do before that happens. Well, of course, you're, you're a lot younger than, than, than Tom and probably a lot younger than most of the other uh, guys that will be in Rio. I mean, what, what are your expectations for this first Olympic Games for yourself? Um, I really want to make the, the final. So that's my, my goal. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to treat every day like 
put everything into like I can into training every day and do the best I can every day. And um, I'm sure I won't do something. You know, I'm sure I do something I'm not disappointed with, and um, just gonna give it everything I have and train as hard as I can. But yeah, I really want to really want to do well there, and um, you know, as high as I can get would be awesome. But yeah, I'm gonna train as hard as I can now. Well, you're well known for your tough training. How's that been going? Yeah, really good. Um, training hasn't been like I mean, doing massive throws in training, but your weights are going well, and they always they always have been though. But my technique's a little bit off. But you know, it's time to fix that now, and it's um, it's neat to get qualifying out of the way so I can concentrate on on things like that. Yeah, so the technical side of it's such a big part of the shot, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Tom has mastered it, and you know I've still got a bit to go there, but um, I'm sure I will one day. Brilliant. Well, uh, it's looking rather good for New Zealand uh, for the games, isn't it? Obviously, with Valerie, uh, you know, a, a medal, a decent medal shout at least, yeah, so we say as well. Definitely. Yeah, it's awesome. It's um, we've got three shot putters right up there, and you know, some really good throws coming up too, which is really exciting. And um, shot puts kind of taking off in New Zealand right now, and it's great to have events like these down in Christchurch where you can showcase that. So yeah, it's all, all been really positive, and it's great for the sport and great for athletics. Jack O'Gill will face off with local rival Tom Walsh in next month's national championships in Dunedin and at the World Indoor Championships in Portland, USA. Another administrative bungle in football is keeping the Wellington Phoenix's new striker, Alex Jones, off the field for now. The Phoenix have confirmed that the loan deal for Jones from Birmingham City has yet to be cleared by world governing body FIFA, so he's almost certainly going to miss Sunday's visit to the A-League leaders, the Western Sydney Wanderers. It's not an ideal situation for Phoenix assistant coach Chris Greenacre. There's just paperwork to be sorted out. I just deal with the team on, on the training field. But yeah, things have just been finalised and it's just with a lap of the gods at the minute. It's just one of those things and as I say it's out of my sort of department and paperwork's not my formality. So we'll just wait and see for that. But Chris Greenacre is hailing the fact that the in-form Hawke's Bay United and former Wellington Phoenix trainee Hamish Watson has joined the club on a short-term deal. You're listening to Extra Time. Still to come, the coast-to-coast. Right now, we go to tennis, where Wellington player Finn Turney is set to make his Davis Cup debut. Turney's been named in the New Zealand squad for next month's Asia-Oceania Group 1 tie against South Korea. Turney's come on in leaps and bounds in the last 12 months. He's risen to 384 on the ATP World Tour rankings, and he got a wild card into the main draw of last month's ASB Classic in Auckland. It's not easy, of course, for New Zealand tennis players who pretty much have to look after themselves. And with tennis being one of the more expensive solo sports, what with global travel and accommodation, let alone paying a coach or even a physio to go on the road with you. Finn Turney told our Barry Guy that things started to come together for him last year. I think I um, started training harder. Obviously, the year before that, I actually had shoulder surgery. And I think just being being able to be out on tour and play, you know, 25 play a full schedule really really helped and I got some momentum and um, especially towards the end of the year I started doing um, pretty well and beating some good players and stuff like that so yeah a lot of hard work and yeah playing a full schedule. It's just a matter of saying look I've you know I'm putting my all into this and um, we'll see what happens. Yeah absolutely I mean tennis is such a global sport there's so much competition um, physically it's, it's also very tough so you can't really um I think it's like a full, it's a full-time, um, dedicated thing. Um, I think everything, if you, if you really want to compete with um, the good players, I think everything in your, or the way I look at it anyway, the, everything has to be in order. You, I think you've got to be eating right and you've got to be training hard and um, 
can't have too many late nights and stuff like that. So, um, uh, yeah, I think it requires a lot of dedication, like a lot of sports, obviously. But, um, um, and yeah, you, I think you've got to be all in. Do you get help, both financial and you know, personal, I suppose, when it, it comes to the tour? Yeah, I need help because I can't support myself. Um, I've obviously got, uh, well, my, my dad was, my parents were helping me a bit uh, last year. Um, this year I've managed to do some fundraising and raise some money and um, I had saved up a bit of money from some tournaments last year and then also um, played some club tennis here and some prize money tournaments in New Zealand. And obviously the Davis Cup, I'm going to get some money for that, which goes quite a long way. And um, yeah, just being smart with my schedule and playing, I like to play a lot around Asia. Uh, the flights are a bit cheaper, the hotels are a bit cheaper, and especially if I can tie in tournaments with Davis Cup, um, they can cover some of my expenses. What, what you've mentioned so far, I mean, I get asked why why is it so difficult perhaps for New Zealand tennis players, but I think you've sort of outlined it there that it's it's a global thing and and, and how tough it is to, to crack it and then stay on the tour. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is tough coming from New Zealand. Um, just in terms of when I go outside and see other, other um, just Australia, for example, their, um, their budget is huge. I mean, their high-performance budget is in the millions. They've got um, former top 100 players um, or, or and or um, good coaches traveling with their their players, you know, to every tournament from a young age. And, um, you know, if you have a huge crop of players um, with the best facilities all getting funded and, um, you know, traveling with top coaches consistently, you're going to get a few um, a few top 100 players. It's just as simple as that. And, you know, it's a similar thing in Europe. Um, there's so many players and um and a lot of financial support. And um, at the end of the day, if um, if you take two, um, you know, players similar in level and similar in talent, and one is travelling um, full time with a coach and trainer and going to play the best tournaments that he he wants to play and um, staying in good hotels and all that stuff, um, you know, it's not a guarantee. But the likelihood is that he's going to um, progress further in that. And it's not an excuse, and it definitely can be done from New Zealand. We've seen that in the past, but um, just to, you know, in summing up, why they're doing really well, like you know, compared to us, um, especially in the singles, I would I would say that's probably why. So, for someone like yourself who's travelling around, you organise uh, hitting against other players. I'm assuming, uh, you know, do you make phone calls to coaches and that sort of yeah. thing? You know, that yeah. must be tough when they can't see what you're doing or not yeah. doing correctly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, it's fine when I'm overseas and I'm I'm playing well and, um, you know, I'm in a good headspace. You know, I don't really need a coach there telling me what to do. And for me, when I'm on the road, I mean, every player has a different, uh, you know, a different role for their coach. I don't need someone to organise my practice or do any of that. It's just, you know, it's hard being away from home all the time. And if they're not actually seeing you playing and, and seeing you, um, you know, if you're not playing well, that's when it becomes very important. So you can go out and work on specific things, feed your balls, and, and then so, you, you know, you're feeling really good about the next week. I mean, um, yeah, so I've, I've got to do, I'm not traveling with a coach, I've got to do different things to get around that. Um, it's obviously a bit harder, but I suppose it just has to be done. You played in the 
ASB Classic this year, got into the main draw. Uh, that's obviously a, a highlight, but what about 2016? You know, your rankings, what, 384 I see here? You sort of set yeah. goals, what do you want to do this year? Yeah, I'd like to play in the Grand Slam qualifying um, later this year. I'm going to try and play a bunch of um, futures and challenges throughout um, March, April and May. Um, there's quite a lot in Asia, so I'm going to try and target there and um, Grand Slam qualities is obviously the first step. Ranking has to be inside about 250. Um, but yeah, if I keep uh, training hard and trying to improve my game, I think that's it's a good chance. It's um, I got a good give myself a good opportunity to um, to achieve that achieve that goal. Finn Turney. Also in the squad is Ruben Statham, who could equal Oni Perrin's 25 ties for the most Davis Cup appearances for a New Zealander. Finally today, Friday has marked the start of one of the world's longest-running multi-sports events, the Coast to Coast. The 243-kilometre race, which starts at Kumara Beach on the west coast and finishes at New Brighton in Christchurch, sees competitors traverse their way through the Southern Alps via running, cycling and kayaking. The race can be done either over one day or two. For 31 years, the event was run by well-known sportsman Robin Judkins, but in 2013, the stalwart decided to pass his race director title on to another high achiever in multi-sport racing, Richard Usher. In his second year in charge, Usher talked to our Matt Chatterton about the challenges one of the world's toughest adventure races faces in today's sporting environment. We've obviously had uh, the loss of space and the, and the naming rights sponsorship side of things, and you know, without a partner to really help drive that. Um, engagement it, it does make it a bit harder, but uh, you know a lot of the events have been really struggling for numbers. So to be pretty much on a par with last year, uh, we're really happy with that, and we're also um, you know in some hopefully in the final stages of some some talks with a, a new naming rights sponsor. And so if, if that uh, comes to fruition, then uh, I think for next year, you know the race is going to be in a really good place. In terms of you know I guess growing the sport, we're We've been looking at you know some different demographics. Like we've got a, a whole group of competitors from sort of the Iron Maori side of things who have traditionally trained out to do Ironmans, but are, have come down to to take on the coast to coast challenge. And we've also got a school section this year, so we've got the official section as a as a three person team relay team. But there's also a number of people, you know, a number of school students taking on the tandem challenge. So the feedback we're getting is certainly that you know some of these new sections are are making a difference to. You know, people's ability to to take on the challenge, and you know, just sort of, you know, making them aware that it, it's not just all about about the one day event, but the the, the two day when you break it down is you know has a, a a much more achievable side to it. So yeah, hopefully uh, we we start to see um, you know those numbers uh, really on the increase in 2017. You mentioned there that numbers are, I'm guessing you're mentioning worldwide were down slightly. Is it still you know quite a competitive market to attract entries? Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, there's so many events these days that um, you know you have to be um, really doing everything as as well as you can and, and have a great story, you know, to attract people. And I think that's you know one of the advantages that the coast to coast has is that you know it has a great history and you know a great I guess concept of of crossing the country in a day or or over two days as, as most people do it. You know, so that's a, you know, something that's really in our favour, and you know the, the race when we sort of canvass people about you know what they they think of the event, and you know the I guess the strength of the brand and things like that is it's it's very obvious that it's 
still got a lot of relevance to New Zealanders and, and also to the international sort of multi-sport community. What is it about the coast to coast that attracts people to do it? You think you kind of mean touched on it there? Yeah, I, I, well, I, th- I think it is just a uh, it is such a neat story, you know, crossing the crossing the island, uh, crossing the crossing a country, you know, over the course of a race, and it's also you know that you, you travel through um, just some absolutely spectacular places like the. The run through Goat Pass, um, especially the upper part of the gorge there, is you know just absolutely stunning, and, and the same on the river. But you see a, a, an amazing contrast from the the beach on the west coast and and travelling up the the river valleys, and then out, you know, when you you end up on the the plains crossing across through to to New Brighton and Christchurch, it, you know that you you get to see sort of a snapshot of of the South Island really in a lot of ways, and yeah, it's very you know a lot of you know very cool places for people to see. Coast to Coast Race Director Richard Usher talking to Matt Chatterton. And that is extra time for this week. Feedback's always welcome via our Twitter at RNZ Sport or email sport at radioNZ.co.nz. I'm Richard Wayne. Kakite. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.